And it's another week. This is Andrew Wood, Executive Director of Hope Resource Center. Thank you so much for tuning in, whether that be live over at Joy 620 or you're listening to the podcast, the archive of the show over at Google Play, iTunes, tune in, tell an Alexa, however you want to find the show. You can also find it at investinghope.com. Uh, we would love for you to listen, no matter how it is that you're listening. We are grateful for your support today. we got a lot to talk about, a lot of things happening around the country and in the state uh, when it comes to life and abortion. We're going to start with some news that came out last week about uh, medication abortion and, and the increase that we're seeing there. So just to give you a, a rundown, we have surgical abortion, which happens after a certain amount of weeks, and they actually have to go in and surgically remove the baby uh, or take the baby's life. And then you have medical abortion, which is you take uh, two pills. Uh, one, you, you take one pill and then you take another one, and that uh, induces an abortion and the ending of the life of the baby. And so what we have seen during COVID was the FDA and, and other agencies made it really easy to get the abortion pill. And what we're going to talk about here in a little bit is even the, the laws that are going into place around the country, uh, like in Texas and other places, you're having a, an increase in the abortion pill uh, being the, the, primary, uh, the primary vehicle for abortion. And so the New York Times writes this. It says, more than half of recent abortions in the United States were carried out with abortion pills, according to preliminary data released Last Thursday, a sign that medication abortion has increasingly become the most accessible and preferred method for terminating pregnancy. The report, issued by the Guttmacher Institute, a research organization that supports abortion rights, found that in 2020, medication abortion, a two-pill method authorized in the U.S. for pregnancies up to 10 weeks gestation, accounted for 54% of all abortions. Now, what that means and what this isn't talking about is if 54% are, are medical, meaning 54% of those are taken by pill, that means that, that, over, uh, that just under 50% are still surgical. So, so there's still a lot of damage being done, no matter how you're getting the abortion. It's still a big problem, but this number doesn't surprise us. This number we anticipated uh, to be on the rise and, and be the, the more... Uh, sought after means for an abortion. The figure represents a substantial increase from the Institute's previous report, which found that the method accounted for 39% of abortions in 2017. The increase in medication abortion is most likely the result of several factors. The method, which is less expensive and less invasive than surgical abortions, had already become increasingly common before the coronavirus pandemic driven partly by restrictions from conservative states, of course they want to point that out, that impose hurdles to surgical methods, especially later in pregnancy. Why do you think that is? Now, they're writing this as if conservative states are the, the problem here. When if you look at the polls of the nation, the vast majority of the populace want to see restrictions, when it, especially when it comes to surgical abortions in second and third trimester. So it's not just conservative states are crazy and hate women. No, it's we're trying to protect women and men in utero. We're trying to protect babies from dying. But the, the author of this piece wants to place all the blame at the foot of conservative states. As of 2017, 
According to the Guttmacher Institute, which collects data by contacting every known abortion provider in the country, nearly a third of clinics offered only medication abortion. In 2019, according to data from the Centers of Disease Control and Prevention, which did not include California, Maryland, and New Hampshire, pills accounted for 42% of all abortions and 54% of abortions that were early enough to qualify for medication because they occurred before 10 weeks gestation. The pandemic fueled that trend, as we talked about multiple times on this show. As medical groups filed a lawsuit asking the federal government to lift the Food and Drug Administration's requirement that the first of the two abortion pills be dispensed to patients in person at a clinic or doctor's office. They said, citing years of data showing that medication abortion is safe, the medical group said that patients faced a greater risk of being infected with the coronavirus if they had to visit clinics to obtain that first pill and pointed out that that first pill was the only drug that the FDA required patients to get in person from a medical provider, but that patients were also allowed to take it home on their own without having the provider present. Again, they, they saw the pandemic as an opportunity. The opportunity created a, an easier way to get abortion. The opportunity created abortion with, with little to no oversight. And, and what they're not mentioning, they say it's safe and it has little side effects, little issue. What they're not mentioning is the women that start bleeding and have to go to the emergency room. Are we tracking those women? Because we know it happens. I think the number is somewhere between 7 and 10% of those that, take, that, that uh, get abortion by pill, 7 to 10% to 10% have to go to the emergency room. That, that seems like a lot. It seems like a lot. It seems like that should concern us when there's no medical provider overseeing the taking of the medication. A judge granted the request that summer allowing patients to see a physician by telemedicine and receive pills by mail. But after a challenge by the Trump administration, the Supreme Court reinstated the restriction early last year. Under the Biden administration, however, the FDA permanently, listen to that num- that, that word, permanently lifted the in-person requirement in December and also said that pharmacies could be, begin dispensing that first pill if they met certain qualifications. So now they're saying the pharmacy can just dispense it. The FDA's action means that medication abortion will become more available to women who find it difficult to travel to an abortion provider or prefer the privacy of being able to terminate a pregnancy in their homes. As a result, while the new report from the Guttmacher Institute is preliminary, only reflecting information from 75% of the clinics and including only percentages, not raw data, the proportion of abortions carried out with pills is expected to increase further. Nearly 80% of all abortions in the CDC's 2019 data occurred before 10 weeks gestation, suggesting that there were many more women who might choose abortion pills over an in-clinic procedure if they could. At the same time, the growing interest in medication abortion has made it a focus of a highly polarized abortion debate. In 19 states, mostly in the South and the Midwest, telemedicine visits for medication abortions are banned. And so far in 2022, according to the Guttmacher Institute, 16 state legislatures have introduced bills to ban or limit medication abortion. With the Supreme Court now considering whether to roll back abortion rights, that's their wording, not mine, or even overturn the 1973 Roe v. Wade decision, which legalized abortion, experts and advocates on all sides expect medication abortion to play an even more pivotal role in the division of abortion debate, in the divisive abortion debate. That's where we are. 
Look, that's no surprise. And again, they're, they're attacking conservative states. They're saying it's the conservative states' fault. They're wanting to, you know, uh, take us back in time and, and take us to a time where abortion was no more. But again, if, if Roe v. Wade goes away, it goes back to the states. So what you're going to have, this is, this is what's not talked about. If Roe v. Wade goes away, it doesn't mean abortion goes away. If Roe v. Wade goes away, it means it, it goes back to the states. You're going to have some states, like California, that create a sanctuary for abortion. They're flying people in. They're putting them up in the hotels. They're feeding them. They're doing all of that so that people can get abortions up to nine months. You're going to have places like New York and, and Illinois and others that are, that are going to do that. Then you're going to have places like Tennessee that says no abortion in the state of Tennessee. You might see Georgia, Alabama do the same. You might see Texas do the same. Florida do the same. Mississippi, Louisiana do the same. But the only focus is on conservative states, southern states, that clearly hate women and don't want women to be able to do anything. That's, that's the way they frame this. It's not true. We just simply want to protect babies and protect life. But you see, these articles aren't being written in the New York Times about states like California that are wanting to create sanctuaries for abortion. And if they do write about it, they write it in glowing uh, review, meaning New York Times would write about California doing that and say, isn't that so progressive? Isn't that so wonderful? Isn't it wonderful they're going to create a sanctuary for more abortions? Isn't it wonderful? We don't even know how many abortions occur in California because they don't report the number. Why don't they report the number? If abortion should be celebrated, and if abortion is a right, why don't you report the number? Because they know the bulk of the populace would probably be unbelievably angry if we knew the real number. So they just won't report it. So they can write these articles and they can go after conservative states or pro-life states and pro-life legislatures and, and pro-life governors. But, but we have to understand what they're doing. And what they're doing is trying to create and, and form a narrative that says everybody is okay and wants abortion, even though that's not true. The polls don't show that. My conversations with, with individuals don't show that. The numbers don't show that. And again, we're the freest country on the planet. And we push abortion as a right that trumps all rights. Over the years, we've seen a decline in, in birth. That's not sustainable for a culture. It's not sustainable for a society. People are having less babies, and they're encouraging more abortions at the same time. And so I knew, we knew, when the pandemic first started and they made it easier to get abortion pills, we knew that wasn't going to go away. We knew they weren't going to all of a sudden say, you know what, we need to go back to the old way. No, they're not going to do that. It's the same argument when, when some states say, look, we're just going to instate uh, 
uh, we're going to put in place a state income tax. But after a few years and it pays off what we want to pay off, we're going to remove the state income tax and you won't have to pay it anymore. No state's ever done that and never will do that. Because once they get their foothold, they're not moving back. You ever notice in some parts of the country they have toll roads? Toll roads, the, the mindset behind toll roads is we're going to put in tolls so that we can pay for this road. Once that road is paid off, we will no longer need toll roads. Well, guess what? Do they ever take the toll roads away? And in the same way with, with abortion pills and, and making it easier to get abortion, they're not going to move that back. You want to know how I know that? In the next segment, I'm going to talk about what Senator Schumer did just the other day. For the first time, he's bringing to vote a federal law for abortion. Because that's their goal. And that federal law doesn't make any exceptions. That federal law doesn't say up to 10 weeks gestation or in the first and second trimester. No, no, they specifically say this federal law, the one they want to put in place, which won't pass, is all the way up to nine months, and it's very broad for any reason. So what they want to do from Washington is tell Tennessee what our legislation, what our law should say when it comes to abortion. And they want to make us look like the the pro-abortion states like California. But I'm the crazy one. I'm the extremist. Who's extreme here? And so when we think about where we are as a society and we think about the ease at which we can get abortion pills, and they talk about telemedicine, that is, uh, that is simply a, uh, that means nothing. It's a quick conversation, if that, where somebody says, okay, you're good to go. I'm going to write a script so you can get your pills. What if that's your little girl? Let's say that you're even okay with abortion. You want her doing that by herself at her home, in her bathroom, where major bleeding could occur? You want her just dealing with that by herself? You don't want any oversight by a medical professional in that setting? But that's where we are. We'll talk more when we come back. I know I've talked about this before, but Dave, that's a great one. Larry Fleet. Man, that is a... If you haven't listened to that song, if you haven't listened to Larry Fleet's album in general, very, very talented. Um, but my goodness, what a, what a great song. As we, as we continue the conversation, look, the reason why I want to point these things out that are going on around the country is because we need to be aware. Look, I don't want you to be bombarded and, and overwhelm yourself all the time of all the news and all the goings on that, that are happening. But when it comes to life and abortion, we need to be aware of what's being done in the state, what's being done around the country, where uh, different political parties are seeking to take abortion. And you better believe if, if Roe v. Wade is overturned or if Casey versus Planned Parenthood is taken away or if, if something is done to abortion in the upcoming ruling of the Supreme Court in June or July, there's going to be a movement. There's going to be a, a desire from some to federalize abortion, not just at the Supreme Court level, but in law that says, 
hey, we federally have access to abortion and no state can restrict. That's a problem, folks. It's a problem. We've been making some, some interesting moves as a society and as a country when it comes to a lot of things, whether it be marriage or whether it be gender or whether it be abortion. We are moving away from traditional values. We are moving away from what we called, quote unquote, normal for a long time. And now what they want you to believe is normal is is shocking. And I'm not saying that as an old fogey that just wants my ways. And, and I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying we're, we're entering into some some very strange territory. And a society cannot sustain itself if it removes gender, if it, if it removes babies, and if it attacks life. It's unsustainable. And that takes me to a piece over at the National Review talking about Chuck Schumer, who's the leader of the Senate. Um, the legislation can't pass this Congress, but it could endanger Vulnerable Democrats in battleground states with eight months to go until the 2022 midterm elections. Chuck Schumer is planning to hold the first vote in Senate history on a bill that would create a virtually unlimited nationwide right to abortion through all nine months of pregnancy. Chuck Schumer tweeted this tonight. I took steps on the Senate floor to move forward on the Women's Health Protection Act. Because the woman's right to choose is a fundamental right, and this Senate will vote on the Women's Health Protection Act to protect abortion rights. Do you believe that? you agree with that statement? I think my little girls have a lot of rights. I think they can do anything. I believe in empowering them and, and raising strong women. I married a strong, independent woman. My mother-in-law lives with me. She was a single mom for many, many years. She's a very strong, independent woman. I believe in strong, independent women. But the right and ability to take the life of your child is not empowering. It's not beneficial. It's not celebratory. It's not a staple of our founding. Yet that's what they want you to believe. Versions of the Women's Health Protection Act, which in earlier iteration was known as the Freedom of Choice Act, have been introduced in every Congress for more than three decades. But the bill didn't make it to the floor of the House or the Senate for a full vote until September 2021, when House Democrats voted almost unanimously to pass it. So, so hear me when I say this. When certain political candidates or sitting reps or senators or wherever they find themselves, when they say they're moderate, when they say they believe in abortion but, but in a moderate fashion, I want you to point to this. I want you to look at this. They claim to be moderate, and then they stand behind something like this. This is not moderate. This is extreme. The Women's Health Protection Act doesn't have close to the 60 votes needed to overcome a Senate filibuster. In fact, there may not even be 50 senators who support it. Pro-life Democrat Joe Manchin of West Virginia opposes the bill, as does pro-choice Maine Republican Susan Collins, who says it's too extreme. So when Susan Collins and Joe Manchin say that it's too extreme, guess what, folks? It is. 
So if it can't pass, why hold this vote now? The answer is that Schumer is playing base politics. Of course, they're playing politics. Both sides do it. Groups such as Planned Parenthood and NARAL demanded a vote on the legislation last fall, and Nancy Pelosi complied. The ostensible trigger for Pelosi's decision to hold the vote was the passage of the Texas Heartbeat Act. But the Women's Health Protection Act is not narrowly targeted at the unpopular provisions of that state law. No, it's actually a sweeping bill that would wipe nearly all state abortion laws off the books. From parental consent laws to 24-hour waiting limits to meaningful limits on late-term abortions. At the various points over the last 50 years when Democrats have controlled Congress, they've declined to put the Women's Health Protection Act or its predecessor proposals up for a vote before the full Senate or House because the bill was seen as politically toxic. And there were too many moderate abortion rights supporting Democrats who found it too extreme. The Women's Health Protection Act may not have the majority support it needs to pass the Senate today either. And Schumer's plan to bring the bill to the floor anyway could hurt Democrats' chances of keeping control of the upper chamber in November because it will force senators in battleground states like Mark Kelly of Arizona, uh, Raphael Warnock of Georgia, Maggie Hassan of New Hampshire to take high-profile vote on what is an extreme proposal. When Pelosi brought the bill up for a vote, she put her own vulnerable members, as well as House Democrats, seeking Senate seats such as Val Demings of Florida, Connor Lamb in Pennsylvania, and Tim Ryan in Ohio, in a similarly uncomfortable position. After the bill passed the House in September, National Review asked Representative Lamb, who'd ultimately voted for it, if there were any limits he could support on abortion late in pregnancy. He said this, I think the right to choose is a right all the way through pregnancy. Creating a right to abortion, quote, all the way through pregnancy, end quote, in all 50 states is exactly what the Women's Health Protection Act does. The bill creates an absolute right to abortion prior to fetal viability. That is prior to the point at which a baby can likely survive outside the womb and prevents state laws from protecting a baby's life after viability whenever a single health care provider determines that the continuation of the pregnancy would pose a risk to the mother's life or health. The bill's chief Senate sponsor, Richard Blumenthal of Connecticut, has acknowledged that it doesn't distinguish between physical and psychological health. That's important. And the text of the bill is explicit that, quote, in interpreting the provisions of this act, a court shall literally construe such provisions to effectuate the purposes of the act. The ruling in Roe v. Wade's companion case, Dole v. Bolton, established a broad definition of health physical, emotional, psychological, familia, and, and the women's age. All these factors may relate to health, and the majority opinion in Roe declared that opinion and this one, of course, are to be read together. Democrats often describe the Women's Health Protection Act as a bill meant to codify Roe, but the Women's Health Protection Act actually manages to be even more radical than that already existing Supreme Court ruling in at least a couple key respects. As Senator Collins told the Los Angeles Times while announcing her opposition in September, she said this, this bill would severely weaken the conscious exceptions that are in current law, eliminating protections and defenses afforded to health care providers and by the Religious uh, Freedom Restoration Act as no federal law has ever done before. The bill also enshrines a right for non-doctors to perform abortions, even after viability. Think about that. The bill also enshrines a right for non-doctors to perform abortions. The determination of whether a post-viability pregnancy poses a risk to a pregnant patient's life or health may be made by a lone health care provider. 
a term that includes but is not limited to a certified nurse midwife, nurse practitioner, and physician assistant. While Collins opposes the bill, the other Republican who supports a right to abortion, Alaska's Lisa Murkowski, has not yet taken a position. While pro-life Democrat Manchin opposes it, Democrat Bob Casey Jr. of Pennsylvania, who also describes himself as pro-life, issued a statement on Thursday saying he would support bringing the bill to the floor for debate. We'll continue the rest of that here in a second. But these are things we need to be aware of that's happening in Washington. We'll be back. So as we continue to look at what's happening out of D.C. in the Senate. Now, again, this this bill is not going to pass. They don't have enough votes to get past the filibuster. But it does tell you a lot about the, the direction that some of these politicians wish to wish to take our country and the extremism that which they they see abortion. And it's a problem. It's not progressive. They, they claim it's progressive. Progressive is not ending the life of future generations. That's not progressive. Progressive is not having women have abortions in their home by themselves. That's not progressive. Feminism is not having women take care and, and take this load by themselves, that the heavy burden that is abortion. That is not progressive. They can call it a lot of things, but it's not progressive. Pennsylvania Democrat Bob Casey Jr., uh, he, he claims to be pro-life. He said he wants to see this bill debated on the floor. He said the question before the U.S. Senate on this vote is whether the Senate will proceed to debate the Women's Health Protection Act. Given the recent Supreme Court rulings, potential rulings this year, and the Republican Party's clear and unrelenting use of the issue as a political weapon, of course, because Democrats don't use this as a political weapon at all. He says, I will vote yes to allow debate on this bill. I have long worked to reduce the number of unintended pregnancies and abortions. And I hope that as part of this debate, we will also focus on new and substantial funding for pregnant women, infants, and children. Casey's statement does not make clear whether she supports the underlying bill or simply wants to proceed to debate. Casey's spokesman did not reply to an email, but Casey's decision to oppose a filibuster of the bill is on its own remarkable. As the son of a famously pro-life Democratic governor, Casey won his seat in 2006 by running as a pro-life Democrat. A term, he, a term he still embraced as of 2018. Casey has repeatedly voted for a 20-week limit on abortion that would be voided by the Women's Health Protection Act. And Pennsylvania's 24-week limit on abortion, which only includes exceptions for serious physical health issues, would also have to be stricken from the books if this bill passed the Senate. Under the Pennsylvania law, the Abortion Control Act, notorious abortionist Kermit Gosnell was convicted in 2013 for killing 21 infants in utero, in addition to his conviction for murdering three infants with scissors after they had been born. So currently, the law in Pennsylvania that, that convicted Kermit Gosnell would be overthrown and done away with if the Women's Health Protection Act passed Congress. The Women's Health Protection Act won't go anywhere close to the 60 votes it needs to overcome a filibuster in this Congress, but... Democrats are already making it clear that if they hold the House and pick up the two Senate seats they need to nuke the chamber's filibuster rules in November, they'll be in a position to pass their radical abortion bill in the next Congress. And, of course, they'll aim to do just that. Are you okay with that? Is that what we want to see 
out of D.C. Unlimited abortion across the board. Any restrictions in any state would be um, upended and mean nothing. Is that what we want to see? No. No, and, and no poll shows that. No poll shows that. This is, this is political posturing. That's all it is. And it's funny to me that, that uh, Senator Casey out of Pennsylvania says that Republicans see abortion as a political football as if Democrats don't. Look, folks, here's a, here's a news alert for you. Both parties see every issue under the sun as a political football. It can be COVID. It can be mandates. It can be abortion. It can be the Second Amendment. It can be women's rights. It can be voting. It can be Ukraine and Russia, Afghanistan, Iraq. It can be, should we drill in, in our country or not? Should we be energy independent? Should we use windmills and solar power or fossil fuels or nuclear power? Everything to a politician is a political football. They are the hammer and everything is a nail. So, so acting as if one side does this over the other is nonsense. Nonsense. And I am tired of people claiming to be pro-life and then agreeing with legislation like this that would, that would see abortion go insanely insane across this country. And, 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 and while doing that, not counting the fact and the, the impact that's going to have on women and men and on, on siblings that brothers and sisters that don't have brothers and sisters, grandparents that don't have grandchildren, cousins that don't have cousins. Are, are we going to talk about this or not? You see, but when they see it as a political football, when they see it as politics only, they don't think about the people that it's actually affecting day in and day out. Real citizens, real individuals. We see this every day at Hope. The lasting ramifications of abortion. The heaviness that which comes of, of somebody trying to decide, do I want my baby or not? There is real lasting damage that is being done in our society and in our country. Over the last two years, we've seen suicide increase, drug overdoses increase, loneliness increase, depression increase. We've seen all of that increase at astronomical numbers over the last two years because of lockdowns and the, and the like. And so your answer to, to the, the increase in all of those bad things is to, what, add more abortions? Add more abortions to, to women and men that are already struggling, already full of anxiety, already full of stress. So, so our answer is, hey, get rid of that pregnancy and add another thing onto your list of things you're going to regret. Come on, folks. Our Senate and our House and our Oval Office should be in the business of empowering the citizenry of, of being the best that they can be, creating environments that would let them succeed and thrive. You can't do that if you're creating environments that literally extinguish the life of the citizenry. Because the, the, the abortion pills that we talked about earlier, 
They literally create an environment in the womb that extinguishes the life of the child. Is that progress? Is that what being progressive is about? Ending the life before they even get a chance? Is that, is that progressive? It's a serious question. It seems to me that's regressive. It seems to me where, we, where we're living in a time where, where teenagers, millennials, mid-age, elderly, everybody is, is dealing with stress and anxiety, loneliness, addiction, abuse. That the last thing we need to do for that citizenry is to add more. By saying, hey, go get your abortion anytime during the pregnancy. I know you're stressed and I know you're dealing with a lot of things, but but go get this. Not thinking that, that that's going to stress them and make them deal with even more things. Yeah, having a kid is tough. But when I find myself down in the dumps, when I find myself stressed or, or having anxiety and I look over at my son or my three daughters, some of that is lifted as I go, but it's worth it. Over the weekend, we're watching the UT baseball game, and my son looks at me, and my daughter looks at me and says, can we go throw baseball? Yeah, yeah, we can. Can we go shoot basketball? Yeah, we can. Can we go play in the yard? Yeah, we can. And the stress and anxiety and worry goes away because I'm spending time with my offspring. It's a beautiful thing. Society would say a 37-year-old man who got married when he was 22, who has four kids and drives a a quote-unquote church van, that's not normal. Folks, I'm here to tell you, I don't want to be normal if that's what society says. I, I I don't want to meet their definition of normal. I'll say that. So what are we doing? They even changed the name to say Women's Health Protection Act because the the other name just wasn't working. I'm, I'm sure they polled it and they, they had focus groups and they're like, yeah, we don't really like that name. But, but call it Women's Health Protection. What about the women that are growing in the womb? And, and here, here's the thing. What is a woman? We live in a time now where you no one can tell you that. Because if you're a man and you think you're a woman, you're able to say it. If you're a woman and think you're a man, you're able to say it. So what is a woman anyway? Who are we protecting? See how nonsensical all of this is? And we're just supposed to go along with it. Because they say it's progress. Yeah, it's not. It's a lie. It's a lie from the pit of hell. That's what it is. It's not progressive. It's not empowering. It's not, it's not feminism. Abortion is the ending of a life of a human. Full stop. That's what it is. And it should tell you something about someone's character when they say we need more of that. We need less births and more of the ending of a life of a human in the womb. I don't have any words for that. We got to be better. Work harder. Go against the grain. 
I'm telling you, it's worth it. It's worth the effort. And so these things frustrate me and anger me. But it isn't going to stop the work that's being done. No. we got a lot to do. And I'm prepared to do it. We'll be back. So as we finish up today, you know, I talked about earlier the telemed abortion and, and how abortion pills are becoming the predominant, uh, I guess, vehicle for abortion. It's over 50%. They're, they're looking at the numbers. Well, there are some states that are trying to combat that. Uh, one, of our, one of those states being the state of Tennessee, my home state. Uh, it says the FDA recently announced that they are now openly encouraging telemed and mail-order abortion prescriptions. Well, Representative Robin Smith of Hickson, Tennessee, and uh, Senator Mike Bell of Riceville, Tennessee, uh, are, are looking to pass a bill called House Bill 2416 that makes it a criminal offense in Tennessee to prescribe RU486 without being in the physical presence of the patient. And so it's in the committee hearings as of right now. We'll see what that looks like, but other states are doing that too. And, and what they're saying is, if you'll remember the, the piece that I was speaking of earlier in the show, we talked about how they're even allowing some pharmacists to just, just give it out. And they're allowing doctors to now do telemedicine or a phone call to prescribe the abortion pill. Uh, this piece of legislation would end that and say, no, you have to meet with them in person. Look, I don't think it's a stretch. I don't think it's a stretch when, when there's a procedure that is ending the life of a human, there's a chance of side effects, and it's a forever decision. It's not a stretch to say, look, doctor, you, you have to sit down with the patient in person. That's not asking too much. That's not a, a too big of a hoop to jump through. Yet they're wanting you to just be able to Make a phone call. And then when these things happen, I always think about the folks delivering mail. They're, they're delivering. If I was a mailman, I'm delivering abortion pills to someone's home. Now, I know that, that who knows what people are, are getting in the mail and you're delivering a lot of things that might might go against your your value system. But. Delivering the abortion pill is like taking it to another level. Our mailboxes are now becoming the abortion clinic. Our postal service workers are, are becoming the distributors of it. Is that what we want? Is that, is that progress? I mean, is that what the founding fathers thought? You know, when we look fast forward to 2022, what we want is the ability to have women in the life of their child right in the comfort of their own home. With no doctor present, just sitting there, that's progress. That's when we know we finally made it as a society, when women can have an abortion in the comfort of their home without even getting up. It's one thing to do that with TV dinners. It's one thing to have your groceries delivered. It's one thing to get everything from Amazon delivered. It's a whole other thing when we are celebrating abortion in the comfort of your home. That, that is something, I, that's a line I can't cross. That's a bridge too far. Don't let them tell you that's progress. It's not. It's not at all. 
everybody we lay eyes on is living proof that there's life in the womb. Everybody. Even those that are staunchly pro-choice and pro-abortion. Even the politicians that are staunchly pro-choice and pro-abortion. Even Chuck Schumer, who's trying to bring this bill up in the Senate in Washington. The fact that I put my eyes on him, I know, is proof that there's life in the womb. And we're all just going to be okay. And we're supposed to sit back and just be okay with the ending of life in the womb. I can't, I can't do it. It's not okay. It shouldn't be celebrated. It's not progress. It's not feminism. It's, it's not any of those things. Yet they want you to believe that. Look around you. As we see an increase in, in depression and loneliness and suicide and drug addiction, what do you think is going to happen if we make it even more, even, even easier to get abortions? Is that the path we want to go down? And another thing that doesn't get talked about enough, and I've talked about it a number of times, is the vast majority of OBs do not perform abortions. Why is that? They refuse to perform them. Why is that? If it's such celebra- if, if we celebrate it, and ACOG celebrates it, and all these organizations celebrate it, and NARAL celebrates it, why are the OBs not lining up to take your money to perform abortions? We're going to talk to them? The vast majority that are delivering babies who say, no, I'm not going to perform an abortion, we're going to talk to them? No, we're not going to talk to them. That's going to hurt the narrative. We're just going to talk to this minority group over here of just a handful of OBs that give and perform abortions. We'll talk to them. They're the experts. All these other ones are nut jobs. I'm not buying it. We'll talk more next week.